The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome back to the second hour of the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and during the first hour today, we heard from General Barry McCaffrey about the growing instability in the Middle East, as well as whether hostage exchanges in general are a good idea. In the beginning, the exchange of Bergdahl for uh, Taliban prisoners, it, it seemed like a patriotic thing to do. I and mean, we wanted the return of one of our soldiers, which had been captured. Uh, but almost immediately following the exchange, the story started to shift as soldiers who were deployed in Bergdahl's unit began speaking to reporters assigned to cover the story and claiming that he had gone AWOL. And that he, you know, quote, walked away from his post. And you heard me ask McCaffrey about that. I don't know what walked away from your post means. I don't know what would prompt a soldier to remove his weapons completely and walk into a Taliban village and ask if there's anybody that spoke English there. I, I, I don't know. This just, it, it's, there's just things that are just not adding up. But... But uh, for a moment, let's just stand back and assume the worst, that he did volitionally leave his troop and, 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 and he participated in his own capture by the Taliban. Why does it matter? Uh, we're still talking about an American citizen being held against their will. I don't even know if it matters if he cooperated with being captured. Uh, here's a reason that I think that it matters, it, that it might matter. Uh, uh, because there's clearly a pecking order when it comes to Americans imprisoned abroad. Uh, and I don't know what that pecking order is. I want to know. <laughs> but But for a moment, let's pretend that at the very top, of the pecking order would be American spies, say like Gary Powers, the CIA pilot who was captured and we had to recover from the Soviet Union. So let's just say he's at the top of the list because he knows stuff that would be embarrassing or or dangerous to get out. Then underneath, that's probably innocent American women and children who are civilians. Uh, We don't know... uh, we don't know of any incarcerated or kidnapped against their will right now outside of the sex trade business, which is another whole can of worms and I'm going to set aside for right now. The next in the pecking order comes U.S. military personnel like Bergdahl, unless, of course, uh, he has highly classified information, which would be dangerous or embarrassing to the U.S., in which case he jumps the line and goes straight to the top where Gary Powers' status is. And then way at the bottom, way at the bottom uh, of the pecking order are American male civilians who took it upon themselves to voluntarily go into dangerous situations. Folks like Alan Gross. You heard me mention Alan Gross, who's serving a 16-year prison sentence in Cuba for using the Internet. I hope this isn't coming as a shock to you. That's right. 90 miles off our coast in Cuba, Alan Gross sits in a prison cell shaking his head and wondering why Bergdahl was worth trading five Taliban prisoners for, and he's not worth trading three far less dangerous Cuban prisoners for. And to tell you the truth, I'm shaking my head too 
and wondering the same thing. And so is Mrs. Gross and the Gross family. So clearly there's some pecking order when it comes to trading hostages. But it'd be, but it would be nice to understand what the rules are rather than repeat slogans such as uh, we will leave no American behind, which, which is not true. We leave lots of Americans behind. There are Americans serving time in Mexican prisons in Turkey and Singapore and elsewhere. We, we just don't know their names. And they're serving time for smuggling drugs or other illegal activity. And uh, and we have a tendency to think, well, this is their just desserts, and it's a matter for the U.S. Embassy to handle quietly and discreetly. And uh, there's no conversation about a hostage trade because these incarcerated individuals are low down in the pecking order. So many will just rot in jail. Uh, if If you're my age or older, you probably remember the movie Midnight Express, and if you don't, Get it from Netflix or Amazon. That movie is a great reminder of what I mean about a pecking order and which Americans are worth trading for and which are just not worth our trouble. So, you know, I want to keep it real on this program. So I want us to understand that there was, uh, there was something, and who knows what it was, that made Bergdahl valuable. Valuable enough to make a trade for, e- either because of who he was and what he knew when he was captured, or more importantly, what he could tell us after he was captured. But rest assured, there's some reason that we don't know about that Bergdahl jumped to the head of the class in terms of a hostage exchange, and we don't know what the reason is, and uh, you know what? We may never know. Now, recently I was, I, I was having dinner with some friends, and the man sitting across from me launched into a big lecture about whether we would have traded captured Nazi leaders for one American soldier. And, of course, the answer was N-O. We never even considered exchanging Nazi leaders for Americans. Which brings up the point, what's changed? When is it okay to make a hostage exchange, and when is it not? I mean, what do you think? Is there ever a good reason to do an exchange, or should we have a policy that we never under no circumstances, make an exchange, even if they capture a high-ranking CIA official uh, like a Gary Powers. The dinner guest who I was seated across from said that uh, all we do when we agree to an exchange is make the world more dangerous for Americans because now more will be captured in an attempt to negotiate for the release for, uh, for more dangerous prisoners. I mean, when you reward a behavior, you get more of that behavior. And a successful prisoner exchange is, in essence, a reward of sorts. So now will we see more soldiers captured and offered in trade? Uh, It certainly seemed to work that way in South America, where wealthy families showed a willingness to pay millions in ransom to get their children and their wives and their husbands back. And and, uh, suddenly there was a rash of kidnappings for money that could not be stopped. Uh, In fact, even some of the police got involved in the action. Now... It's not for me to say whether Bert, the Bergdahl exchange was the right thing to do, but I'll be honest with you. I do worry about sending a mixed message to our enemies. That might not be the brightest thing to do. On that note, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out what Sam and Bill have to say on this topic. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. What we call grains are really, in essence, the seeds of grass. They're grass seeds. As animals evolve to eat grass, grass evolved to defend themselves. One of the techniques that grass have developed to survive is to have lots of seeds. And this is what makes grasses farmer and agriculture friendly. Seeds contain lots of nutrients that humans can use. And if there's lots of seeds, they're easy to grow. Today, grass seeds and grains, what we call grains, which are really grass seeds, provide the bulk of nutritional calories for the human being species in the world. In addition to having lots of seeds as a defense mechanism, grasses have developed a second defense mechanism to assure their survival in a world where they're constantly being munched upon and grazed upon by animals. This second mechanism for their survival is chemical warfare. Grasses produce chemicals that are designed to make any animals that would dare to eat them think twice about eating them again. Grass seeds produce opium-like compounds, for example, that numb predators, stun them, and and make the animals more slow and more sluggish, including humans. This is one of the reasons why grains are considered comfort foods, because they have a kind of relaxing, soporific effect. They put us to sleep. They relax us. They make us feel more comfortable. Grass seeds produce blood-clotting chemicals called agglutinins that can kill animals. 
Hi, this is Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. If you'd like to get in touch with pharmacist Ben Fuchs, let me tell you the quickest, easiest way to communicate with the only pharmacist I know that isn't in a hurry to dispense pharmaceuticals. Sounds funny, doesn't it? A pharmacist who believes pharmaceuticals should be used as the last resort, not the first. You can reach pharmacist Ben right now at RadioBenHealth.com. That's RadioBenHealth.com. And if you'd like to know more about unique nutritional supplements like Beyond Tangy Tangerine or the Healthy Start Pack program, it's the same web address, RadioBenHealth.com. Find out why pharmacist Ben and millions like him are enjoying a healthy, energetic lifestyle by adding mineral supplements to their daily routine. Visit RadioBenHealth.com, RadioBenHealth.com, and get started today. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. Hi, everyone. This is Kay Swirling. MZ and I are quite proud of the station you're listening to. Quite frequently, I meet people who express their appreciation for KSCO, one of the few remaining independent, locally owned radio voices left in our country. Of course, this is gratifying, but it's very important that you understand and keep in mind that KSCO is made possible by three things. Advertising sales, book, hat, bag, and other KSEO gear sales, and in particular, longevity health product sales. You see, every time somebody in our audience purchases longevity products such as Beyond Tangy Tangerine or the Healthy Start Pack, that person is directly supporting our operation and making it possible for us to continue to serve our community. We feel good about recommending these products because they are of the highest quality and they do work. I know because I take these products every day and I can enthusiastically vouch for their goodness and effectiveness. I first heard Dr. Wallach's message about taking charge of your health through nutrition nearly 20 years ago. I strongly believe in nutritional supplementation over toxic prescription drugs and invite you to help yourself and help KSCO and KOMY by trying and using these products as I do. Visit kscoteam.com or kscohealth.com or call one of your local longevity distributors. For KSCO and KOMY, this is Kay Swirling. 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and Sam Quentin and Bill Graff, two of the finest radio engineers in the industry, have just joined me in the studio. And they're getting their mics turned on to give me a piece of their mind. So, uh, Sam, you look like you're going to come across that table at me. (laughs) No, it has nothing to do with you personally. All right. I I, I get worried when I see that look in your eyes. I I just uh, really, really felt strongly about commenting on uh, General uh, uh, McAfee's uh, statements. Uh, First of all, the the whole Bergdahl thing was basically one blunder on top of another. First of all, the Obama administration was looking real bad over the VA scandal. People died, okay? Yeah. And they had to find a way to to look better in public uh, with the military. And, um, you know, the VA scandal turned out to be a microcosm of Obamacare, which is a miserable failure. How do you, how do you uh, get over that? Um, you... Do something that, on the surface, you think looks heroic. I'm going to go get us a, a captured soldier. And in the meantime, I'm going to trade the uh, Pakistani all-stars for this one guy. Bad, bad move. So you believe, I, I'm just, look, I'm going to try to understand this. You believe it was a diversionary tactic. I do. You believe I, that the VA situation was, was getting worse by the minute. and so politicized from the very beginning. How can I save face and look good? Well, I'm gonna okay, go Sam. I a, look. I understand I'm gonna that. I, I'm going to say. Back. Look, I, I'm a scientist, so I have to point this out. Just because two events happen within the same scope of time, one is not related to the other. That that that's a correlation, but it's not causation. Uh, and and so you know, it's a possibility. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm also not saying you're right. When two things happen in sequence, it's very easy to say, well, one is connected to the other, and sometimes there's no connection at all. Uh, so I, 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 I don't know if you're right or wrong. Belief that in this particular situation, yeah, but you got an axe to grind with the Obama administration, and well, I don't. Well, I have an. I, have an I don't. Answer. I don't have an axe to grind with anybody. I have a different point of view on this whole thing. Um, whether Sam's right or wrong or not, I it came to I came to the conclusion in listening to General McCaffrey, that um, someone is not listening to him because he seems to have a firm grasp of world politics, uh, like most generals do, I guess. But he seems to have a broader scope uh, of his knowledge of what's going on in the Middle East and how governments are running and that sort of thing. And I found it, very, right. I th- I found it very interesting that it appears as though he his voice either wasn't heard ever or is it certainly isn't being heard now. The Joint Chiefs are, are being ignored by the administration. It seems to be obvious to me. Well, now, remember, we, we had a guest on, uh, I don't know, a month, month ago that was saying that basically Obama has publicly actually said that he did not trust his generals and he did not trust the military. Just in general, there's been a... Uh, a gap between the White House and their, uh, and he knows better. Uh, well, he know. knows better than General Barry McCaffrey well, look, on how I, to run the military. Really? Look, I happen to think Barry McCaffrey is just a straight shooter. So do I. And 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 the second thing I I do will give you about Barry McCaffrey is that he is a historian. Okay, so when when we talk about the Middle East. He is talking about centuries of religious warfare and conflict, and he is able to put what is happening today in that perspective. Which is quite important. What I liked about him the most, though, is the fact that he says we need to understand what is the interest we're trying to protect there. Why should why he should the United States yes. be involved, right? Yeah. And and I think we, you know, even with our political differences at at this, you know, in this station, we can all at least agree. Let's figure out why we should even be involved. What are our true goals? And if we yeah. don't allow ourselves to achieve the original goals, then we're just kidding ourselves, wasting our money, and getting our guys killed. Well, here's my problem. I don't even think protecting oil 
is a, is a valuable enough goal to have any U.S. involvement because we don't need the oil. First of all, if that's the case, then what 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 were we doing in Iraq when supposedly we went over there to stop terrorism and a quote protect the oil, and we weren't protecting the oil at all? Oil wells went up. They were incinerated before our very eyes. But I'm, I want to peel the onion back even further. We say we need to have a goal. We have to understand what the goal and objective is. Let's peel the next level. Let's say it's oil. Then the next question that comes to mind is, do we need the oil? And if you listen to T. Boone Pickens and look at that Pickens plan, which has been on the, which has been on the table for nine, ten years, I'm going to tell you that in 12 months, less than 12 months, please, folks, if you're listening to this broadcast, and there are three million people listening to this broadcast, go and read the Pickens plan for yourself. We can be completely independent of OPEC oil in 12 months. Why have we not done not, anything? Not only that, if I'm were, outraged I by. That. That. I, I don't have a Rebecca, bone to pick with either political party, but I will tell you that is an outrage. Rebecca, if we were really concerned about oil, we would have we would have run the pipeline from Canada like it was planned, but we didn't because it became political. That's a big we don't, mistake. We don't need that. That was a big mistake. We don't need the pipeline. My point exactly, but what I'm saying to you is if we if we were truly serious about making the oil resources we have in this country I paramount to the oil use we you you know we would certainly uh, make better EPA regulations for vehicles and we would certainly figure out a way to to maximize our own oil supplies before we start guarding OPEC around the world I mean y- you know it, it really I, I, doesn't I, fly look every time we buy a gallon of oil from OPEC that money gets into the hands We're of people terrorism yes that, absolutely of people. Who want to destroy us and want to destroy this country? It doesn't matter what political party you belong to. You you should want to, particularly right now. I'm going to tell you that you should love your country enough to want to protect it and protect all the citizens of your country. And we can do that tomorrow by just stop sending money to people who want to destroy us. There is a company or two This isn't a political thing. I know, but there is a company or two now that that has figured out a way to make premium motor oil out of natural gas instead of petroleum. So – it is possible for us to do a lot of things to countermand the OPEC need. We can, but you know what? We can also take uh, 18, 18, no, 8 million uh, 18 wheelers that are going up and down our interstates, convert them to natural gas. The ROI on the, on the, on the engine conversion is less than one year. And if we do that, we're off of OPEC oil. Okay, there's a government program that I just described in under 15 seconds that every American can understand. Well, once It's again, not complicated. Once I, again. I, I, I'm just saying, it is not complicated. This is very easy to do. It can be done very quickly. Can we, we don't, do it? And we can keep the money inside the country. That's no the best news of all. I have no problem with that plan whatsoever. Well, then I no. like it. We've got, we've got an independent, a go. Republican, and a Democrat, and we're all in agreement. I love that about this program. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Luis Alvarez, who's going to talk about another scary thing, cyber warfare. Are you ready for that? All right, you're listening to The Cost. A report. In the opening of All Quiet on the Western Front, Eric Maria Remark wrote, This book is to be neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all, an adventure. For death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will simply try to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Today, Project Healing Waters offers men and women that have escaped the shells of war the opportunity to heal by teaching our returning veterans to fly fish in some of the most beautiful, tranquil rivers in our country. These natural surroundings have the ability to restore the human spirit, and with your help, Project Healing Waters is able to reach out to thousands of our men and women in the military every year. For information on how you can help, go to projecthealingwaters.org. Please give and give generously to those who have put their lives on the line for you. That's projecthealingwaters.org. Help those who have escaped the shells of war and need your help to come all the way back. Hey everybody, Dave Michaels here to invite you to KSEO's big 4th of July sale. 
Don't miss out on your chance to purchase Longevity products at prices that will put a smile on your face. Stop by KSEO Studios this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's July 4th, 5th, and 6th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. We'll be offering unbelievable deals on products like the Healthy Weight Loss Pack, Z-Radical, Pollen Burst, OsteoFX, the Brain and Memory Pack, the Slender FX Weight Loss System, and on the Go Packs. We've even got healthy pet packs for your cats, dogs, and llamas. But wait, there's more. In an effort to spread the health, KSEO is offering to people new to longevity and who wish to join our team a deal so big that it's going to knock your socks off. So bring your pet and an extra pair of socks and join me, Dave Michaels, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 4th, 5th, and 6th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. right here at KSEO Studios, 2300 Portola Drive in Santa Cruz. We'll be signing up new teammates, answering questions, and offering great deals this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. right here at KSEO. Shirt Crafter, your one-stop print shop, has been locally owned and operated in Santa Cruz for a decade, providing custom design services to help you build your brand. Shirt Crafter provides top-of-the-line custom screen printing, digital printing, embroidery, stickers, banners, business cards, and so much more. They carry top quality brands of gear from t-shirts and polos to sweatshirts and ball caps. Whether you're outfitting your softball team or team building for your business, ShirtCrafter has it all. So build your brand with ShirtCrafter, located at 111 Ingalls Street in Santa Cruz, or go to www.shirtcrafter.com. Or you could give them a call at 831-423-0537. That's ShirtCrafter, 831-423-0537. Hi, I'm Pamela Fugit-Hetrick, the host of Money Moves. Cash flows and money moves, but do you find money moving out of your wallet faster than it comes in? Do you wish you had a personal money manager? Do your best Dirty Harry imitation. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Go ahead. Make my day. Pretend that your finger is your gun. Quick draw, aim, point, and straight ahead. Notice that one finger is pointing out, but you have at least three pointing back at you. You're the best person to manage your own money. To get the tools you need for the job, listen to Money Moves Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. As your host, I promise that each week, Money Moves will leave you with some tips and tools to help you manage your own money. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. for Money Moves. Remember, that's Thursday nights, 7 p.m. for Money Moves. Welcome back to the Costa Report. Luis Alvarez, the CEO of Alvarez Technology Group, is on the line. Thanks for joining us again, Luis. It's always a pleasure, Rebecca, to be here with you. Uh, so I've got this funny feeling that um, you're going to introduce us to some aspect of technology <laughs> that we uh, might not be thinking about today. Am I right? Man, you like read my mind. Very intuitive of you, Rebecca. Yes. Today my subject is cyber war. You know, we used to think of cyber war as uh, something out of science fiction, and it always made for a great thriller or or heart-pounding movie, but, um, you know, the the hero always seemed to emerge victorious at the end because of his superior intellect, his ability to outwit the bad guys. Mm Mm-hmm. As it was portrayed, cyber war was always something that, you know, happened unexpectedly and and kind of as a last resort. Yeah. But the reality is that cyber warfare is is no longer theoretical or or the subject of fiction writers. It's happening every day, and the U.S. is now the number one target. Did you say number one target? Yeah, we're number one. We're number one. Yeah, yeah, I knew this was not going to go well today. For me, I'm going to have nightmares again. All right. So we're the number one target. How do we know? Well, you know, there's this fascinating website called map.ipviking.com, and it's spelled exactly as it sounds. Um, And if you go there, you can see them track cyber attacks in real time. And it shows where they originate from and who the intended target is. So if you visit the site and watch for a few minutes, it, it becomes readily apparent that the U.S. is the, the center of these attacks as far as the rest of the world is concerned. What's more, most of these attacks are originating from foreign governments. 
in particular China, which seems to be actively probing our, our vulnerabilities on a minute-by-minute basis. But if we can prove that a foreign government is trying to hack into our systems minute-by-minute, why aren't we confronting them about those cyber attacks? I mean, from my standpoint, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening agree with me, an attack's an attack. I mean, shutting down our electrical grid's just as worrisome as, you know, any other attack, isn't it? Well, you know, you're right. And it, it, I guess you have to remember, what did Clausewitz say, that uh, um, uh, war is an extension of diplomacy or something like that? And, and cyber warfare has now uh, become an extension of traditional war tactics and planning. Take the uh, ongoing strife in the Ukraine. You know, Russia has been actively targeting Ukraine's infrastructure as well as its industries in order to inflict pain on the country and, and make them suffer. And in fact, Russia has been so brazen that they hacked into their Ukrainian election system during the presidential election, or their presidential election last month, and they managed to change the results for the pro-Russian candidate to show him receiving almost 40% of the vote, which was almost enough to, to actually get him to win, when in reality, he received less than 1% of the, of the actual votes. I am just astounded, um, you know, and that, that that just and I've been a proponent of digital elections, you know, that we don't need to go down to voting polls. But when I heard this happened, it, it just confirmed every paranoid cell in my body, you know, was just yeah, thinking someone could hack in and we could wind up electing, uh, you know, a president that we didn't really elect. I mean, this seems so blatant. Now you're saying that we've got sites where we can see the numbers of attacks uh, from hackers and where they're coming from and where they're directed. And it's frightening to watch because you can see how, you know, it, this is not, even though the U.S. Is, is first on the list, it's a worldwide phenomenon. And there are as many attacks originating from the U.S. going outbound um, to other countries and other places. And, and most of those really aren't about um, uh, government to government, it's really government trying to probe industry. Uh, China, for example, has is, is been very active to trying to steal our secrets, going after Lockheed and Boeing and a lot of uh, our industries to, to be able to, to shave a lot of uh, years off of their development of aircraft and other technologies that, uh, that we've perfected. So we're talking about cyber spies and cyber soldiers funded by governments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and China is. And, uh, and do we have them? Do we do we have a cyber army? You know, the, the U.S. has not been idle in that regard. And, and we're very active and we have a very robust um, cyber war capability, uh, which, you know, uh, we, we don't necessarily advertise. Um, and um, if you look at all the military services, the Air Force, the, the Navy, the, the Army, each one of them has their own cyber war divisions. Uh, as well as the, all the civilian intelligence and defense agencies that we have, uh, each one of them has their own capability uh, that they're honing very carefully and, and not using very actively because they don't want the rest of the world to know what, what we can do. So what about being able to go in and grab control of one of our fighters, uh, you know, or our drones? I mean, well, could someone hack in and take control of our drones? Remember a few years ago when Iran claimed to have done just that, and they had taken the drone down in, well, a drone crashed in Iran, um, and according to the Iranian government, they had taken control of it, and they were able to um, control its descent to the point where they were able to recover it and have uh, subsequently tried to reverse engineer that drone to, um, you know, again, take some of our technology and make it their own. That's the whole problem. Once once you crash something, they take all the pieces and reverse engineer and suddenly they've got a primitive form of it. Absolutely. Um, Chances are that they'll be able to get some of that technology, but I doubt that they'll be able to get the the really cool and sophisticated stuff because they just don't have the capability to, to, to exploit that. Except for that in the case of Iran, they've been buying weaponry from North Korea since the 1980s. And uh, North Korea's program is really advanced. North Korea is, next to China, one of the most sophisticated uh, 
cyber war units that that are available in terms of exploiting um, uh, industries and taking uh, technology, sucking it right out of uh, computers beyond firewalls and and, uh, exploiting that and sending it to other countries like Iran. See, this is the thing that we don't understand is that Iran doesn't have to have their own nuclear program. They don't have to have their own nuclear weapons. They don't have to develop their own drones, and they don't have to have their own cyber capability. <laughs> they can outsource it to to North Korea. Yeah, it used to be you needed spies and you know on the ground, right? You needed to have that that guy who was a turncoat or that gal that was a was a spy to to get the information from inside the building. Now you don't need that anymore. All you need is to have guys who are smarter than their guys that, that can exploit the technology that that's available and, and uh, you know, sneak in via the Internet or or via any other number of paths. This is, you know, every now and again, I won't say every time you come on board, but every now and again, and you know, you're going to laugh at this, but every now and again, you introduce me to an idea or a technology and I don't sleep at night. I'm just admitting it to you, Lewis, that now I'm thinking about all these cyber soldiers and the ways that they could get in and take control of nuclear power plants, the the power grid. Of course, we can't operate anything without power. Absolutely. It's a a frightening uh, proposition. Well, that is all the time that we have for today. And, you know, normally I thank you, but I'm not sure today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll try to find something less scary. Yeah. How about something cheerful and fun? You know, you know, not so much like, uh, okay, Dr. Evil is uh, is now a reality and and no longer the uh, just something that we'd see in a in a weekend flick. Right. But uh, listen, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks, Rebecca. This is Luis Alvarez from the Alvarez Technology Group reminding you that when it comes to technology, forewarned is forearmed. Now, I have to say, Lewis is one of my favorite people, and uh, whenever I see he and his wife, Ronnie, personally, um, we have a great time talking about all these breaking technologies. Uh, But I do admit, every now and again, he comes up with a story like this about cyber warfare, and I I don't know if it's my age. I'm not sure I'm ready for cyber warfare. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I will. I need to go see the new Transformers movie and get myself in the right frame of mind. All right. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Mitch Winnick from the Monterey College of Law, who's going to um, talk about another aspect of uh, warfare that we might not have thought about. Uh, We'll be back following these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com bigdata today. We're fortunate to have Scott Caraccioli with us to explain how the process of making sparkling wines influences a winemaker's approach to making a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's really a driving factor in terms of style and really kind of making it a little bit more old world. Um, we use all French oak, which is the same thing that we use in our sparkling wines. So I would imagine that someone who's not making sparkling wines will take a totally different approach. Yeah, it's a matter of viewpoint when it comes down to when you have a French winemaker making bubbles, you end up with a leaner, more European style of wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C. 
I-O-L-I, Cellars, where you have to spell it to drink it. Take the uncertainty out of life. The 30th West Coast Metaphysics and Dowsing Conference comes to UCSE College 8, July 3rd through 7th. This learning adventure focuses on sustainable living from organic foods to feng shui, pendulum dowsing, and the power of focused intent. Visit the website at dowserswestcoast.org or call 831-402-8101 for the full schedule. That's dowserswestcoast.org or 831 Hi, I'm Andy, the produce manager at Ben Loman Market. This holiday week, we are featuring California two-pound clamshell sweet strawberries, three forty-nine each. Large cantaloupe, two for four dollars. Green cabbage, fifty-nine cents a pound, and honeydew melons, seventy-nine cents a pound. For Mexico, we have asparagus, two ninety-nine a pound. Large tasty mangoes, sixty-nine cents each and 32-ounce clamshell grape tomatoes, two for $7. From Washington, we have large sweet Bing cherries, $3.99 a pound, a perfect treat for your picnic. In organics, we have California red seedless grapes, $2.69 a pound, white corn, $0.99 each, and California organic heirloom tomatoes, $3.99 a pound. We have many more specials in our produce department, so come check out our great selection of fresh produce at Ben Loman Market. Hi, this is Sean. And I'm Steph. Join us Saturdays at 7 p.m. for Out in Santa Cruz as we share our views of the LGBTQ community and the issues and insanity of the week. Only on KSEO 1080 AM. Like us on Facebook.com slash Out in Santa Cruz. Listen to past episodes at OutInSantaCruz.com. I'm Sean. And I'm Steph. And, and you've, you've been, been queered. Welcome back to the Costa Report. We have Mitch Winnick, the Dean of the Monterey College of Law, with us again. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. It's a pleasure to be here, Rebecca. So, Mitch, today we've been talking with uh, retired four-star general Barry McCaffrey, uh, who had a really active professional career following his, his military service. Well, he certainly has, Rebecca. And, and I'd like to discuss just one of the areas that General McCaffrey has actively supported as part of his post-military career. So which area is that? Well, General McCaffrey has been an advocate for veterans treatment courts. This is a special type of courtroom program that specializes in addressing veterans' drug, alcohol, and mental health issues that have created legal problems and frequently are the cause of homelessness among veterans. Now, that, that's an interesting area, the court system, that I haven't heard much about. Um, are, are there many of these, I think you call them veterans' treatment courts, is that right? That's exactly right, Rebecca. You know, the first one was started in Buffalo, New York, back mm-hmm. in 2008. Hmm. You know, and the program has grown from that point, and you're going to be surprised, approximately 180 special veterans treatment courts that now span 35 states. You know, for example, here in California, there are currently 11 of these special veterans treatment courts. They're part of the California Superior Court System. So the goal of these programs is to reduce recidivism by substituting treatment and highly structured supervision and support instead of incarceration. 180 special courts is, uh, is a much larger program than I, I would have ever expected, and particularly that I, I've never heard of this. But when I think about what you're saying, it, it makes perfect sense. I, I've read that one-third of Americans homeless are veterans, many who are suffering from either substance abuse or mental illness. And and, uh, these issues are, they continue to be a major legal problem for us. Well, that's exactly right. It's reported that since 2004, the number of veterans being treated for mental illness and substance use disorders has increased 38%. And it's estimated that out of the over 2.4 million veterans of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, 
approximately 460,000 of them suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or major depression. So, so how do these veterans' treatment courts address that kind of problem? Well, first of all, veterans' treatment courts admit only veterans with a clinical diagnosis of a substance abuse or mental health disorder. So to be clear, the program is only available for veterans and not active service military? That's exactly correct. Those who are still in active service, they would have their cases addressed through the either the regular criminal court system or in some cases through the military court system. So, so how is this court process different? Well, Rebecca, unlike regular court proceedings, these veteran treatment court programs are a collaborative system. So what that means is it includes the prosecutor, defense counsel, but also treatment providers, probation, law enforcement, and then, and then here's where it's completely different. It can include representatives of the Veterans Health Administration and the Veterans Benefit Administration, as well as the state departments of Veteran Affairs and Veteran Service Organizations, even volunteer veteran mentors and other veteran support groups. That requires a lot of coordination and collaboration. I, I can I can see why you said earlier this is a non-traditional court process. Well, it certainly is. So rather than focusing on punishment, this program tries to address the underlying program underlying problems with the veterans, and then by doing so, it it reduces recidivism. And so, veteran courts are frequently described as one-stop shops. So this is where the representatives of all the various veteran service organizations can actually be there in court, linking the veterans with the programs, benefits, and services that that they've earned through their service. Mm -hmm. Now, it all sounds very positive, but what about uh, supervision? Well, close monitoring is an important part of the program, and, and that's what you would expect. The, the veteran treatment court model requires regular court appearances. Generally, these are biweekly minimum appearances back in front of the court, at least during the early phases, and then they can change over time. Mm-hmm. But it also includes mandatory attendance at treatment sessions and frequent and random testing for both drugs and alcohol. So the experience is that with these veteran treatment courts, the veterans respond favorably to this very structured environment, and, and you would expect that given their past experience in the military. So it must also help that the veterans' cases are consolidated in front of a single judge and not randomly mixed in with a bunch of regular criminal court cases. Well, that's right. You know, because these court judges handle numerous veteran cases, and they're supported by, as I explained before, the interdisciplinary team of specialists, the judge is in a much better position to exercise discretion, and they can determine an appropriate course of action. And it's so much better than a judge who might only hear a, an occasional veteran case from time to time. Mm-hmm. I'd also think that a judge who hears these cases regularly would better understand the issues that a veteran would be struggling with, such as substance addiction and post-traumatic stress disorder, and also traumatic brain injury. Well, that's exactly right. And and remember, they're also becoming more familiar with all of the support services I described earlier. Mm-hmm. These are the services that are available outside of the justice system. So this includes all of these support groups, medical treatment, and services that, that we know are not going to be available in jail. So all of these factors contribute to a low recidivism rate and for those who've gone through these courts. I've actually read statistics that indicate the recidivism rate of is under 5%, which if those numbers are accurate, that's really an extraordinary win-win, both for the veterans and for the rest of us as well. Well, you know, with those kinds of numbers, um, I am so happy that you brought this to our attention because here's an example of a program that is working. And, you know, if we're going to address the growing crisis of overcrowding in our jails and prisons, we we need more programs like this that, you know, have demonstrated success. So uh, I appreciate you coming on on the program today and and telling us a a little part of the justice system that uh, we probably weren't aware of. I appreciate it. 
Well, thanks for having me, Rebecca. This is Dean Mitchell Winnick speaking to you from the Monterey College of Law, reminding you that when it comes to the law, a little knowledge is not a dangerous thing. And that is our program for this week. As always, if you have a question or a comment to make about today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And let me know how you felt about our conversation today with Barry McCaffrey, Luis Alvarez, and Mitch Winnick. And by the way, if you missed the full interview with McCaffrey or any of our other weekly guests, remember you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our new YouTube channel. And while you're at our website, take a moment to check out the new video of the first public debate on the Affordable uh, Care Act and how it's affecting public and private exchanges six months after the fact. The debate's hosted by Fox News personality Juan Williams, and I'm one of the members of this controversial and uh, ent- very entertaining panel. Lots of fun panelists on there. Um, if you haven't seen the video yet, just go to RebeccaCosta.com, and it's right there on the homepage. And if you really want to know what's happening to the health insurance industry, this is the one video to watch. I also remind want to remind those of you who have not picked up your copy of the Watchman's Rattle, click on the image of the book and order your copy right now. This is the one book that shows how complexity over government regulation and more data than at any other time in human history is producing gridlock and a mass confusion between empirical facts and mere opinion. Not only are leaders confused, you and I are also having a a rough time making rational decisions because we can't easily separate fact from cleverly disguised fiction. So get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it right now. All proceeds from the book go toward keeping quality programming like the interview you heard today with McCaffrey on the air. And if you listen to radio on a regular basis, I don't need to tell you how much divisive programming has filled our airwaves. So let's all do something about it. Next week, I welcome the president and CEO of the National Venture Capital Association, Bobby Franklin, to tell us the facts about investments and innovation here in the United States and abroad. Where do we stand when it comes to investing in new ideas and companies? Find out next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 